not ashamed of the gospel, y'all. It's the power of a God which can save us all. In the gospel, the righteousness of God's revealed. And who lives by faith, the righteous. Welcome to Theology Matters, where we discuss theological issues through a biblical worldview. The gospel preached in clarity for the sake of the elect and for the glory of God. Here's your host, Austin Ryan Griffin. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered, and give ear all remote places of the earth. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you shall regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both of the houses of Israel a stone to strike, and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them, and then they will fall and be broken, and they even will be snared and caught do not call conspiracy all what they call conspiracy. Welcome, welcome to Theology Matters. lot going on. This is um, an, an interesting time to live in, no doubt. Talk about, you know, quarantine. Um, Texas just passed a ordinance. Uh, Dallas County just passed an ordinance uh, shelter-in-place order issued for Dallas County. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things, uh, a quarantine, uh, how, how at this time as Christians should we think, and uh, a little bit, I just got done, well, uh, a day ago, I watched American Gospel 2, Christ Crucified a couple days ago, it was awesome, um, and so uh, and that deals with a lot of attacks on penal substitution uh, or the atonement of Christ, so um, quarantine. We are on quarantine, and the ordinance passed in Dallas County is, 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 is called the uh, shelter in place. That's the order, and, and so uh, under the authority of Texas Government Code Section uh, 418-180, uh, Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins orders effective as it as of 11.59 p.m. on March 23rd, 2020, and continuing until 11.59 p.m. on April 3rd, 2020. And let me just read you something from this document. It says, All individuals currently living within Dallas County are ordered to shelter at their place of residence. For the purpose of this order, residents include hotels, motels, shared rentals and similar faculties to extend individuals uh, to ex to extend individuals are using or shared outdoor spaces they must at all times as reasonably as possible as reasonable as possible maintain social distancing at at least six feet from another person when they are outside of their residence all persons may leave their residence only for essential activities or to provide or perform essential government functions and to operate essential business as defined in section two. I am not going to read the whole thing to you. That's just part A. It goes all the way to F. It's a seven-page document. It's online. Very interesting. Um, I would like to see how they define essential business, but hey, that's very interesting. Um, schools have been shut down for the rest of, most schools have been shut down for the rest of the academic year. Um, and interesting time. We have panic buyers, uh, and what that does is cause concern. And it makes uh, other people start buying in case there's not enough to go around. Uh, it's, a, it's a chain of effect that's been going on. Um, and honestly, how as Christians should we think about all this? How as Christians 
should we properly think in our hearts, in our minds? How should we think about this? There's a, there's a lot of conspiracy going around, um, and especially those who are skeptical about our government, uh, especially we know that our democracy, our liberties, and our fundament, uh, the things that fundamentally make us different from everyone else, our, our constitution has been under attack, and I think um, I think that's adding to it. So there's a lot of conspiracies going around, uh, and and if we're honest, there is a certain uh, fascination and excitement when it comes to stuff like that. Conspiracies, there there is. It's a little exciting, um, and but to be completely honest, if you go down those rabbit holes and conspiracy, there is no solace. In those, there's no solace in that. There's no peace in that. And and now, honestly, our a lot of people's way of life in some areas uh, have been threatened. Some more than others. Some are still working, but a lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of people are in a position financially where. This is going to take a toll on their lifestyle as they know it. Some more than others. There's some extreme cases, some less extreme. People are losing their jobs, their source of income. During these trying times, as Christians, how should we think? Well, I love at this point, um, I love what Isaiah addresses. Um, um, obviously, at that time, uh, during... Isaiah, and I'm not gonna just um, I'm not gonna exegete this uh, passage, but they were being carried off to captivity, and um, I love how God instilled and says, um, "The Lord God is supposed to be your fear and your dread, because He's holy." And I think he, I think Isaiah, it's I love Isaiah. And I think, um, you know, I think it's bringing back that principle, a, a, a biblical epistemology. Ask Christians how do and how should we think? What should be at the center of our hearts and minds? What knowledge do we find as sanctuary in a time like this? Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's the knowledge of God. We, we, we walk in certainty in the absolute word of God, the, the objective word of God, and the absolute assurance of his promises. Uh, we don't know how they all work in specific ways and circumstances, so we fix our eyes on who Christ is and what he says, and we we walk in, in according to those promises, not necessarily a blind, unreasonable faith, but a faith that's focused on his person, focused on his word, trusting in his promises um, in spite of circumstances or situations. The Lord is the origin of knowledge. He's true knowledge. And we know that be, we know that because of who God is. And the reason I bring that up is because we have to base what we know in the absolutes or in the promises of God's word and God's promise and God, who God is and God's person, God's word, God's promise, because we cannot allow a, a, a formula of thinking to then become central in our hearts and in our minds we we can't allow that that's not god that doesn't or that doesn't find its origin in god i'm talking about the knowledge of god the truth of god those knowledge that we can hide in and it be our high tower our shelter and it's it's interesting uh, at these times i think are trying or um it's history especially with covid-19 there is a uh uh, it seems a very big distrust in all the information that the media is conveying. The numbers, 
do not seem to match up with the the panic, um, of course. Um, and it, a lot of it doesn't make sense, uh, especially when you try to fit it in a rational, objective um, understanding, objective framework. And so it, it, it's real easy with all this going on to borrow the world's thinking. And then we don't start, you know, and, and when we don't start with God in our thinking and when we allow something else to be at the center uh, of whatever that is, uh, we, we discern, we start to discern reality and God and circumstances through whatever that thinking is. And that's why we must be careful because we have to have God at the center of everything, our worship, our, our, our theology, our understanding. And we have to make sure that our traditions, our, our, our fears, our paranoia, our presuppositions, our circumstances, our situations do not determine how we see God's word, how we see God's providence, and how we see the person of God. We have to be careful, but rather we, we, should, allow, we should allow how God defines himself in his word to be the final and ultimate authority in our thinking, in our assumptions, in, in all the areas of our life. And, 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 and I bring this up, and, and let me just kind of give you some scriptures just to kind of meditate on. Uh, I, the scripture I read earlier was, it was Isaiah 9, or sorry, I'm sorry, Isaiah 8, 9 through, uh, I think it was 10 or 9 through 14. And I just want to also bring up the scriptures, Isaiah 45. Verses 5-7, through seven, it says, I am the Lord, there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equipped you, though you do not know me, that, pe- that people may know from the rising of the sun, from the west, that there is no, that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and I and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And we have to understand and let the word of God speak to our lives that God is in control. God is ultimately sovereign through all these areas and let that be a comfort towards you. Let that be a comfort towards for you. We have a big do we have a big enough God that we can that or let me just say this, do we have a biblical worldview? Is God big enough in our view that he can allow evil or unfavorable circumstances to to happen and still have the ability to accomplish his purposes on this in this world, you have to ask yourself the question: um, There is a devil. There is wickedness in the hearts of men. Who? What do they do? They suppress the knowledge of God. And this world is fallen. This world is fallen. And in spite of all that, my God will accomplish his good purposes. He will sanctify the elect. He will, con- he will conform them to the person of Christ. And he will use all these things, I believe, to bring about his good purposes. And my solace and my peace is that I know God will get the glory of all these things. And I will be a benefactor as a born-again believer of that glory, of that glory. And so God is accomplishing his purposes. We must not forget that. We cannot borrow the world's thinking because there is no peace in that. There is no peace in that. I I, I want to pose a question. I want to pose a question because we want to talk about all these things. So I want to pose a question. And let me ask you this. In the story of Job, who was the first person to bring up Job? Who was the first person to bring up Job's name? 
A lot of people think or assume or believe that it was the devil who brought up Job's name or who asked about Job. But was it? Job chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going from going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Let me clarify. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Now, this is interesting. This is interesting. Because God was the one who brought up Job. And I want you just to let's settle on that. Wrestle with that a little bit. God brought up Job. Very interesting. And arguably because God had a plan for Job. God had a plan for Job. That's... Uh, uh, and so, and yes, this plan involved evil. It involved calamity. The question, does God's supreme rule and authority stretch over all things or not? In other words, his sovereignty. Luke twenty-two thirty-one 31-30. And I just want you to bring this up because I believe with all that's going on right now, God knows about it. God is aware of it, and he is able to bring it about for the sanctification of his people. Um, beautiful reality. And so um, it seems that we see this reality also working in the earthly ministry of the incarnation uh, and the incarnated son, Jesus Christ. Look what this says. It says, Luke 22, 31 through 32. You, you could just listen. Um, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you, to have you that he might sift you like wheat. I like another version. Uh, another version. It says, Satan has demanded permission <laughs> to sift you like wheat. But, I love this, here's, the, here's your comforting words, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Mm. That your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This is beautiful. This is that reality. I want you to understand something. When is the last time you have experienced solace, security, and insurance about the fact that there is an intercessory work for you by the risen Son who is on the right hand of God? I want you to understand this, brothers and sisters. Do you not know that you have Jesus Christ representing you and praying for you at the same time? representing you and praying for you at the same time. This is beautiful. Jesus had knowledge of Peter's stumbling as well as the rest. And it seems that Jesus had this knowledge that obviously the devil was going to attack Peter and all his stumblings. And I will argue that Jesus is that Jesus is God, God is all-knowing, and God has a plan and the ability to bring about that plan in all that he knows. I believe as far as his all-knowingness, his, 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 as, as all, his own, all his knowledge stretches, is his ability and sovereignty to bring about a perfect plan which gives him full honor and glory in all things. And we have to understand that evil is in that plan. Bad things are in that plan. Do you have a big enough God? And he had perfect knowledge of his stumbling. 
And I believe that God's knowledge and his sovereignty are consistent. God's knowledge, God's strength, God's you know, immutability are all consistent and they flow from God's decrees and bring about and accomplish a plan where he is glorified in all things. It's reality. And let's let's shelter in this. Let's shelter in this. Uh, Matthew 10, 26 through 31, it says, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the housetops, uh, this is what I whisper to you in your ear, excuse me, proclaim to the housetops, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so do not fear. You are more valuable than sparrows. God knows. Yes, to the meticulous details, God knows everything that's going on. And we must be careful to not let this world's or, or, or a formulation or a pattern of thinking to begin to then become the center because what starts to happen is anxiety, fear, stress starts to take over and it starts to consume you and it starts to take away from your peace. But the reality of it is is that we must take comfort that Christ is on the throne and he is praying for you that your faith does not fail. Um, it's, it's an interesting time. A lot of stuff is going on. We're, we're drinking coffee. We are, uh, packing out, uh, vitamin C, you know, everybody is packing out with food and we have to stay inside. Interesting times going on. Interesting times. The, the COVID-19, uh, virus is, um, is is it's interesting because nobody really knows what to believe and yes the media is engaging in sensationalism and also there's good media um and so we just want to know what to do and we want to we want to find peace and knowing how much food we have and knowing that we can still engage online with sermons and and etc etc but we must be careful brothers and sisters do not allow the world do not adopt the world's thinking god is in control and um it's an awesome thing that we are able uh it's an awesome thing that we are able to um still go to church online and listen to sermons but we must be careful because that is not the norm. That's not the norm, but it, it is a huge blessing that we were able to do that. Um, I recently watched a documentary. Um, it was the American Gospel 2. Awesome documentary, real long. Uh, I think it was like two hours and 56 minutes. Um, and it, what it seemed like, what was what was interesting is that it, it it seemed like a lot of the fundamental errors, especially about the emergent church, um, it seemed that they were that honestly that the character of God was in it, it was being attacked. I mean, it simply was and still is to this day. And I think that's interesting because we must understand and find solace and peace in who God is. Notice in Isaiah's exhortation and correction 
of the people of Israel when they were calling conspiracy and fear and dread and, and all this. Notice he did not say God is good. He did not say God is loving. Notice what did he do? He says God is holy. He's pure and he's unique and glorious because he is 100% all those things. He's 100% wrathful as he's 100% forgiving and graceful. He's 100% just as he is 100% merciful. And in the area of God's character, or what we would call the doctrine of God, you see, when you start to learn theology, you understand it's theology proper. And they do start, most curriculums, some curriculums, um, start out at, at, at some part at the beginning of their curriculum. They go over the characteristics and the attributes of God. And I think I could be wrong, but I think there analyze a lot of the problems on the way people view God. That when you take what God reveals about himself and what is taught in Scripture and you allow them to consistently flow in the whole Bible to consistently flow, there is a great coherency and consistency in the being and the character and the attributes of God. And, 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 and I'm not just a believer in sola scriptura, the former principle of the Reformation, but tota scriptura, that we must allow what the whole of the canon, the whole of the scripture, be coherent. We do not, if there's a part of scripture that we think and want to interpret, but it does not match up with the whole of Scripture and the coherency and the consistent flow of the whole Bible, then what we do is we correct it. And we we must allow for the whole Bible to can flow to flow. And I believe that all of God's characteristics consistently flow together in the being of God. And I see, I, I think that there is a problem in that, especially when uh, I watch the, the documentary. It's like we're always constantly going back to the consistency, the coherency, uh, and the character of God. And it's very important. But when we are ignorant or imbalanced, when we have an ignorant or an imbalanced view, we either form a God of our own creation or we tend to have an imbalanced view of theology. I'll say this. When you have an improper and an imbalanced view of God's character, you'll have an improper and an imbalanced view of your theology. When you have an imbalanced view of your theology, you'll have an imbalanced view or you'll have an imbalanced practice of that theology. So when you have a crooked view of God, you have a crooked view of theology, you will eventually practice your Christian worship in a crooked way. I think that's important because the Bible says, seek for the knowledge of God like treasure. But nowadays, it just seems like this mystic, agnostic, cultural Christianity where we exalt uh, this mysterious knowledge over concrete biblical knowledge. It's just, it's just weird. Weird times. Weird times. Um, because most Christian knowledge nowadays would be, you know, it, you know, most people are superstitious and mystical. Instead of being concreted in the absolutes of the Word of God and what God reveals about Himself, um, if God, you know, God's holiness is not a mystery. If He wants you to know He's holy, He communicates that in His Word, and me and you are held accountable to what the Bible reveals. And it's interesting because when we're ignorant of God's uh, character, when we have an imbalanced view of God's character, that will inevitably leak out into our practice and into our worship and into our lifestyle. I inevitably. Um, 
it'll leak out into our ecclesiology, how we do church. And, you know, a, a lot of people think that we can do church and that's just left up to some mystical, subjective interpretation, you know, an open hand of, you know, we can do church, you know, it's left up to us to, to you know, use wisdom of God and the Holy Spirit. But I think the Bible's very clear on how you do church. It's very clear on that. And the Word of God is sufficient. And so, before I go on a tangent, and this won't be a long podcast, because I just want to encourage you, brothers, that God is in control. Encourage you, sisters, God is in control. And I just want to exhort and encourage you. Um, Here's a challenge. Um, Go study about the character of God. And, and why is that important? Well, we've seen it in a lot of movements, um, you, know, uh, you know, a lot of popular church movements, which are not. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right and doesn't mean it's a God-given revival. And no, no, I mean, nine times, you know, a lot of more times, if it's popular, it's probably not right. Um, and, and so... What happened? Why do we need to study the character of God? Because what happens is when we have an imbalanced view of our, of God, we end up making a God or favoring a God that, that's formulated to our own interpretation, our own character. And what happens is we exalt one characteristic of God over others to the point where the point where. It, it, it does not take into consideration other characteristics of God. And we have to, we have an, what happens is we end up having an imbalanced view of God. And so, um, if you, you tend to lean on man's responsibility and the goodness and love of God more than God's sovereignty um, God's election or, or, or God's justice and wrath, you need to balance yourself out. On the other hand, if uh, you know, if all you talk about is God's sovereignty, wrath, and justice, um, and I say that very lightly, uh, if, if all you talk about is that, you need to balance yourself. You want to seek balance in everything that you do. In other words, you want to seek for consistency. And so, do you, I want to challenge you, go study the doctrine of God. Go study what the Bible teaches about the characteristics of God. Um, I'm going to give you a quote from A.W. Tozer. Um, And listen to what this says, brothers and sisters. Listen, what comes in, I'm sorry, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Wow. Wow. And, and, and never mind you that we, you know, we come from a movement to where what happens is, I believe this is the work of the devil, that we've caused a false dichotomy between um, knowledge there's a false dichotomy between knowledge um, and um, listening to Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Um, I, I don't know if that if that comes down to our knowledge of man and what we believe, our biblical anthropology. Um, a lot of people are trichotomists. They believe we're made up of a body, soul, and spirit. Um, a lot of believers were dichotomy, like, uh, you know, body, we are a body and our soul and spirit are immaterial and they are spiritual and eternal or immortal. Um, I swing towards more of the dichotomy because I was a raging trichotomist. I did believe there is a distinction between body, soul, and spirit. But one interesting thing, and I don't want to go off on that because I, I do believe they're, you know, uh, that both valid points. But one thing that I want to point out that Ray, Wayne Grudem said um, in his systematic theology is that he said that he finds that there is an extreme imbalance or, and I'm not quoting him verbatim, but he said something that really caught my attention. He said, I, I find that people who are on the trichotomous side, 
uh, tend to have a negative viewpoint on knowledge and a and an improper view of ignorance. So, in other words, um, that there seems to be that that head knowledge is a bad thing. That it's 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 this there's this dichotomy of like you know super spiritual people really don't know and don't swing. Uh, on objective absolutes they don't and and people who are dogmatic and all about head knowledge um, they are the ones that are absolute and objective and dogmatic and they make this false dichotomy that they think it's more spiritual to not know than to know and I will argue with you that that is the works of the devil because as a Christian walk, we do not walk in absolute certainty in everything. Of course, of course. But we do walk in absolute certainty that the Word of God is an objective truth. It's unchangeable. His works, His person, and His Word. And we now develop the culture that if you say, well, you're wrong on this point and you don't do this and or this, that we frown on that. We call that head knowledge as if that's anti-spiritual. And I think I think that's dangerous. I think that's very dangerous because you're going to grow a crop in a generation of Christians that don't know anything. They don't know their God. And I believe, and this is where I want to encourage you, I believe you can know God, you can know what the Word of God teaches, and you can know for certain that His works on Calvary are accomplished, and you can know with with certitude specific points about theology that will end up edifying you, but I believe the devil doesn't want you to know that. Theology matters, brothers and sisters. And so... I want to challenge you, um, especially in the area of the doctrine of God, the doctrine. Um, That word doctrine is in the Bible. A lot of people have a problem with that, but they have a problem with the Bible if you have a problem with doctrine. Uh, I understand how it could be abused, um, but at the same time, we don't throw out the Bible because the Bible is abused. we got to understand that sound words, sound teaching— Theology is just a term, means the study of God. If you study the Bible, you're a theologian because you're studying about God. And the Bible says, and in, 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 in very clear, that the works of God are studied by all those who delight in Him. So if you love God and you delight in God, the Bible is very clear that all His works are studied by those who delight in Him. And so I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, that, hey, let's study and let's delight in the Lord. And let's study. Let's find out who God is. Let's dig into the person of Jesus Christ. Let's dig in. And so um, there's plenty of books out there that I think you should grab on the attributes of God. Uh, A.W. Tozer has a book, The Attributes of God. Um, J.I. Packer um, has an awesome book, uh, and it's called, you know, Knowing God. Uh, it's, it's awesome. I've read it. It's a beautiful book. I have it on audiobooks. You know, A Way to Cheat, <laughs> and I found this out from a pastor friend of mine, uh, is get audiobooks. Audiobooks uh, are awesome. Uh, Audible's awesome. Uh, but start reading books and reading your Bible and study and pray and come to these illumination by the Spirit of who God is for you. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of stuff you can study out there. I just want to encourage you that God is holy. He's in control. You, um, Jesus is very clear about this, he, you know, uh, uh, do not worry. In fact, Jesus calls worry a sin, and I think um, I think worry is a, by, a byproduct of idolatry, and you trying to maintain control of something you have no control over. And we all su- we all we, we all fall short. We all do, but that's why we have to remind ourselves about the gospel, what He's accomplished for us, and who He is in Christ Jesus, and the whole total of who he is. And so the doctrine of God is very important. I think once you get that wrong, you're going to get other places, you're going to get other things wrong. And so 
Um, it's like the foundation of a house. You can't get that wrong. It's very important that you understand that. And what I've seen a lot of mistakes, uh, especially in the emergent church movement and a lot of these popular church movements, is that they'll exalt one character of God over the other. And so they'll diminish the love of, they'll diminish the justice of God because of the exaltation of the love of God. But brothers and sisters, he is simultaneously and consistently 100% justice and 100% love. Um, it's a doctrine that you've probably never heard. It's, you know, it's called the simplicity of God. In other words, God is simply all these things all at one time. He's not 50% love, 50% justice. Uh, no, no, he's, he is love. He is merciful. He is grace. He is, he is wrathful and holy all at one time. And all those are very important components of who God is. And you can't diminish one in, just because you like one part of God more than the other. You must look in all things through the character and the light of who God consistently is. And we have to remind ourselves. And that's called the doctrine of God. Um, I think American Gospel brings that out very well, and they they bring it back to that. And and, and the attributes of God are it's a very good book by A. W. Tozer. Um, Knowing God by J. I. Packer is great. Um, and so it's um, and also I do want to make available to you that if you go on my I'll keep making posts, but if you go on my Instagram Ryan Griffin seven uh, seven, I will post. Um, a curriculum on there and if you want that curriculum it's a college level curriculum it's very simple it is scholarly but not too scholarly that if you go through this curriculum it is a very sound biblical curriculum um it is it is based on covenant theology or if you want to reform theology um but it is a beautiful curriculum. Awesome. I've done it. Uh, I've, I've given it out to a lot of people. I will give that to you for free. And it's not like I'm blessing you or giving it to you for free. It is for free online. But uh, if you like and follow, DM me. Uh, I will make it available to you. I will email it to you. I will personally go out of my way email it to you because I, I think we should all be grounded in what the Word of God teaches. And so uh, just to kind of give you some spe- uh, specific terms I want to throw at you, uh, to describe God's nature, um, these are called in two terms, uh, the incommunicatable attributes and the communicatable attributes. So in other words, uh, these are attributes that are true of God and God alone. So there's some stuff about God that's that he can only say about himself and are true about him and him alone. And there's other attributes that he shares with his creation or the created order or humans. Uh, in, in, in other words, the, there, there's transcendent attributes and there's imminent attributes. There's ways in which God is separate from us and ways in which God is near us. And I think that there is a, there is a um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think there is a violation of this core truth right here when people... Uh, exalt one characteristic of the God over an, uh, over another characteristic of God. And I think what happens is, is we make a, well, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but when we have, we have to understand that there is some fundamental differences between me and you as created beings, as creatures, there's fundamental difference between us and our creator, when we start to blur the lines and, and those fundamental differences between creation and creator, there is going to be some very, very, very big problems. And they come across as very subtle and almost unnoticeable, but they're there and they end up leaking on how you worship as a Christian later on down the line. And I think that's very important that we must understand there's ways that our God is separate from us. There's ways that God is separate and transcendent above his creation. And there's ways that our God is communicable or imminent to his creation. And there's, so there's some ways that God is separate from us and there's some ways that God is near us. 
And everyone is more comfortable with a God that's near us uh, and communicatable to us. But we have to balance those things because if you have an imbalanced view of God, um, you're going to eventually make a God of your own creation. That's that's Romans 1. That's Romans 1. And this is where this reality must be clarified that when we have to understand that those realities and that if he doesn't see these things through if we don't if we don't if we don't see these things through the lens of uh, you know our creator uh, we will end up viewing it through the lens of our own createdness where in other words I'll just give you a scripture Psalms 50 verse 21 these things you have these things you have done and I have kept silent you thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. In other words, you thought I was altogether like you. You thought that I was like you. In other words, when we do not understand the difference between us those fundamental differences between us and our creator will inevitably blur those lines and will make a God that we're comfortable with and we want to create. Um, that is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. It, if you read Romans chapter 1, we eventually, what we do is we take the glory of the incorruptible God and let me just find that real quick because I think this is very, 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 uh, very important. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 18, for the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So, so there is a, there is an ability, there is a function of sinful man to get the glorious truth of God and suppress it in unrighteousness. And look at this, because that which is known about God is evident with them, for God made it evident for them. For since the creation of this world, his invisible attributes and his eternal power and divine nature have clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or glorify him, as God and give him thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image of corruptible man and birds. Look at that. And man and birds and for, uh, four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So, um, we see, we have to understand that because of sin, we will have the tendency to create a God in our own likeness. And the people, you know, people do not believe the effect of the fall of man. Um, but you have to understand that you'll, not only will you do that, but the Bible says you will accumulate for yourselves teachings and with, a, with accordance to your own desires. So you'll listen to teachers in accordance with your own sinful desires. They tickle you and they, they tell you what you want to hear. We have to be careful, brothers and sisters. Let's let the Word of God stand for what it teaches. And so I just want to challenge you, brothers and sisters. Do you know the characteristics of God? Do you have a balanced view of God? Um, and it's not to condemn if you can't answer that accurately. That's okay because we're all students and we're all going to learn. And the Bible says we have his spirit. His spirit leads us unto all truth. And I believe the spirit. Uh, and how does he do that? What is the primary? I will argue one of the only means in which he does that. He does that by the ministry of his Holy Spirit and the ministry of his word. And those do not contradict each other. The word of God being preached, the Holy Spirit illuminating that word to, to our hearts. And so I believe the Holy Spirit reminds us of his word, reveals. In other words, I will say illuminates what the word of God teaches in such a supernatural way that changes you. Doesn't just give you dry, dead, orthodox head knowledge, but what it does 
is it reveals the glories of the characteristics of God. And, and what it does is it sets those as paramount in our satisfaction and our satisfactions, and it molds and renews our minds and our hearts, and it conforms us into the image of Christ. We are transformed from glory to glory. So I believe the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the teaching of the Word of God, illuminating the characteristics of God in a balanced way, what it does is conform us to the person of Christ, and it is paramount in our sanctification process. It's not just reading your Bible. But it's allowing the Word of God to come bear on your conscience and the Holy Spirit to illuminate what the Word of God says, and it changes your life. So so I just want to challenge you. If you want that curriculum, DM me. I'll email it to you. Um, you have plenty of time to read some books, um, get into some good books, um, some good authors. You have Leon Morris. John MacArthur's read some good books. You have... Um, J.I. Packer, R.C. Sproul, uh, James White, um, A.W. Tozer, um, uh, which would, uh, of course, we would have disagreements in all, with all these guys in little minor areas and the, theology probably, but that's, but that's okay. Eat the meat, throw away the bone. I just want to encourage all of you. Um, I want to challenge you. Uh, I, I want to say God is holy. And he's righteous, and he will punish all sin. And God knows that. And he sent He sent his only begotten son, the incarnate God-man, to fulfill all points of righteousness where you failed. And, he, and everywhere you failed, he bore the punishment and the wrath of God on his back. He absorbed your punishment and appeased and satisfied propitiated God's wrath on your behalf so when you believe in him you have been have an imputated alien righteousness and now you stand justified declared righteous before God because of your faith justified by faith alone and now you are in Christ Jesus you have his righteousness and he rose on the third day. And so the same spirit that lives inside of, um, who, who rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And he is in charge of your sanctification process. And, and, and so we all need to grow and be sanctified, especially this could be a time of repentance. For those who have entertained thoughts that are not of God and have caused worry, you worry and concern and fear, let's repent of those. Let's let God be our fear, that healthy affection for who God is. Let's, let's correct our way of thinking. Let's renew our minds. Let's read the Word of God. Let's challenge what we believe, and let's know who God is in a balanced way, as such a way that honors Him. So, hey, I just want to make that available. I just want to encourage all of you, brothers and sisters, repent and believe in the gospel. Theology does matter. You, you only do and live what you believe, and, and so challenge your theology. Um, and so I want to make those that curriculum available. DM me, follow me. Um, there's uh, theology matters underscore on my IG page. Follow him, uh, uh, Austin or uh, Ryan Griffin seven seven seven. Follow me on IG uh, and I and DM me for the curriculum. I will send it to you. Read some books. Repent. Believe in the gospel. And God bless you, brothers and sisters.